It's show 75 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, the industry news and Marvin Parker of DocuSafe. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. I spend a lot of time talking to people around the industry every day. And one thing that everyone takes for granted is just how great their software works. Well, the company that set the standard and continues to do so is O'Neill. If you are interested in learning more, you can do so at O'Neillsoft.com. It's February, and I think we should get to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. Mm-hmm. This show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. I am here and I am glad you're here and it's February. Wow, February is already here. January has flown by and to all of you who are suffering with colds and the flu, I salute you. It's had a hold of me the last few days, and I'm drinking my water, I'm taking my vitamin C, and I am trying to beat it, but I am glad to be with you today, and I am glad that you're here with us. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Marvin Parker. Marvin is the general manager of DocuSafe, which serves the Philly, New York, and New Jersey markets from its location in Princeton. Marvin is someone I've wanted on the show for quite a while. He's an incredibly talented person that has grown the DocuSafe business exponentially. I'm looking forward to our conversation, but before we talk to Marvin, I want to get you caught up on the industry news. So another acquisition, Archive Systems, has just purchased a new company in the Atlanta market. They purchased PRM, Professional Records Management, which was owned by Larry Corley. Looks like Larry will stay on and serve as general manager for the Atlanta location. Archive Systems now services customers in Atlanta, as well as New York, New Jersey, Phoenix, Seattle, Portland, and Washington, D.C. So congratulations to Larry and to Jessica Smith as well on the sale of their business, as well as congratulations extended to Andy Cavell and the Archive Systems team on their latest acquisition. Well, this is interesting news. O'Neill just added a a new client in the Fiji Islands that when I read about it, it made me feel good. You know, there's a lot of acquisitions going on these days and it just feels like more and more the little guys are getting picked off and there's just the big conglomerates and nothing inherently wrong with it. That's the nature of business. But I love the startup stories too. I love the fact that more companies are coming in. And so in the Fiji Islands, another one comes in. Williams and Gosling, which prefers to be known as W&G, is a 75-year-old company offering all manner of logistics, shipping, and the like. But they've just officially expanded their service offerings into professional records storage services. Currently with only 11 clients and 7,500 cartons. You remember what that was like? They are making it happen with new facilities, professional software from O'Neill, and more. So congratulations to David Aidney of W&G on jumping into this amazing industry. Uh, looks like Cintas has been ranked number one on the list of the best service companies to sell for now. 
which was done by Selling Power Magazine, a publication dedicated to helping sales leaders in top organizations find solutions to their sales management challenges. This year's ranking were based on surveys sent to organizations with sales forces of 500 or more. Top sales executives, training managers, and HR managers within these organizations were asked questions pertaining to three primary areas, compensation, training, and career mobility. Selling Power also evaluated the companies based on independent research. So that's interesting. Cintas is apparently a great company to sell for. So congratulations to Cintas on that uh, designation. And that's it for the news that I'm aware of. If you have news you want to share with me, let me know. Send me an email, fill out the form, or just call me, whatever you'd like. I'd love to hear from you. Hang on a second. I'm going to get Marvin Parker lined up. Hang on. Marvin Parker is general manager of DocuSafe Data and Records Management in the Princeton, New Jersey area. Marvin, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hey, welcome to the Rim Pro Report. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, you have been around the industry a long time. You've been involved in it, and uh, you're one of those quiet guys who kind of, you know, doesn't say a lot publicly. I don't think, but I think there's a incredibly intense mind at work behind all that. So uh, I'm glad to talk to you. I think it's great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. That's obviously very flattering to, to say. You have a very uh, active. Mind going there, so I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm aware that having known you for a while, I'm aware that you run a fairly significant operation at DocuSafe. Tell me a little bit more about what it is DocuSafe is all about. Well, DocuSafe um, has been here or been in existence since 1987. Um, we started out strictly as a record storage company. Yeah, but in uh, about 1996 maybe. Um, I, I became the general manager of DocuSafe, and I looked at the industry, looked at what was going on, and decided, well, wait a minute, there's also a market out there to do tape storage. So I uh, began that on a very small level, right. um, but it grew quickly, uh, and now we have uh, four large firelock vaults, and store right about a million tapes. Wow. It fluctuates up and down. Wow. Tapes get destroyed, customers move out, that kind of thing. But yeah. It's around a million tapes. We store about 1.3 million boxes also. Wow. So that's a significant operation. That's that's not a small tape vault. No. No, it is not. No, we, we store a lot of tape. Um, and, yes, our vaults are quite significant in size. And you're, you're running firelock vaults? Strictly firelock vaults. Okay. Um, we decided at the very outset um, to go with a firelock vault as opposed to, say, a concrete room. And uh, truthfully, the first vault was filled within two weeks. Wow. And we, we felt that um, it being the firelock vault had a lot to do with that. So we were committed from then on, and the next vaults that we built were all firelock vaults. Very cool. So you service the, the what, the... the New York, New Jersey, Philly market? Is that kind of your your That's hub? That's correct. Okay. We're about equal distance between New York and Philadelphia. So I have vehicles going into the city of New York every day. I also have uh, vehicles going into Philadelphia every day. And then we do cover the entire state of New Jersey. Wow. 
So you've got you obviously started in hard copy records. You moved into Media Vault. What other services are you guys offering? Uh, imaging. Okay. And uh, secure destruction. How recent has the whole imaging thing taken over? It's been the last couple of years uh, that we've really gotten into it. I think I've been probably doing imaging for ten to twelve years, um, outsourced to a third party. Um, so it never it was never a big piece of our business in the last couple of years. We've focused on it more and grown that tremendously. And the same is true with our shredding business. Okay. Um, we were kind of late to get into it. Yeah. But um, and we grew it again very slowly. Uh, organically, and it's it's come come along very well. So, are you running your own equipment in shredding? We do, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Are you trucks or plant? Plant. Plant. Cool. You've said a million boxes around around a million tapes. That that's a substantial business. So you're you're running this thing in a in a major metropolitan market, but. Uh, what intrigues me sometimes is uh, what's behind that. So tell me your story. How would you get in this crazy business? Well, um, I lived and worked in Manhattan yeah. for many years, and I worked for a, a moving company. We were agents of North American Van Line. Okay. And plus, we did a lot of local moving within the city of New York. Right. And um, I had a client who was a major hotel, and they were doing a renovation. And part of the so we actually removed all of the furniture from the hotel um, while they renovated the building, and then eventually that furniture all went back in. But some of the other material that was there were mm, a couple of thousand boxes, yeah. and they wanted us to store that. that so that was my first um, introduction, really, to record storage, and I had no clue what I was doing, <laughs> and we didn't manage it the way we manage it today. Right. It was simply a manual system of you know, writing down the information on the box little cards. Uh, that's that's how I got to know about record storage. But then eventually my wife and I had a child and we moved out of New York City to New Jersey. And I got a job in New Jersey and I worked again for a large moving company. Um, but they already had uh, a small record storage company. When I took over as general manager of DocuState in 1996, they were storing 50,000 boxes. Um, so you can see that in the 15 or 16 years that I've been here, I've grown it quite significantly. Yeah, 50,000 to a million, that's a, pre that's a pretty nice jump. Yes, and they, there was no tape storage whatsoever, so it's, almost, it's more like 2 million. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was the sole salesperson for the first eight years I was here. I've had another eight or nine years, and I've had a salesman, one salesman with me now for about the past seven or eight years. We've done quite well. We've grown <laughs> Yeah, so what's the secret? Um, the, there is no secret, quite honestly. It's, it's really, it's just staying focused yeah. and knocking on doors you know, and having, uh, providing a good service so that when you're making that sales call, you can actually back up your claim. But that's really the secret. You know, I've noticed the last few years with this economic climate being bad that if you lose focus, going to lose business or your business will slow down yeah and i've seen that happen uh 2011 and 2010 that at the beginning of each year say january through june a lot of new business came, but then june through december it would really slow down and 
I realized you know, if we lose focus and we're not out there doing our best sales effort every day, business is going to be slow. But I have found that there's really still a lot of business out there. You know, the economy is in bad shape. And so you're finding it primarily through knocking on doors? Is that your, is that your preferred uh, approach to, to building a client base? Um, I think that's a very good method. I do use a telemarketer, though I would say that the amount of work that we get from the telemarketer is a small percentage of the actual sales calls that we make. The rest of it, we, we do a lot of direct mail with postcards, and I, it's a tried-and-true method that I use, which is you take um, three postcards, you mail one a week for three weeks, and on the fourth week, you, you place a call. And if they're interested, they'll normally take your call. If they're not, you're really only out the cost of three postcards and the postage. But that's, we do that a lot. That, that works very well for us. Well, you know, I have been I've been saying to uh, my clients and to people who talk to me, to me, one of the most powerful and best ways to get in front of an audience is direct mail these days. You know, we've, we've become overly obsessed with Internet and how cheap it is. And the reality is I don't think it's as effective as three postcards and a call uh, and it costs less. A, an average click now in in most of our our core industry areas is around $10 just to get a click to our website. And you can send three postcards and make a call for under 10 bucks now. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't really consider the internet to be that inexpensive. No, I don't either. Uh, we do a, we do a Google ads program and, you know, we're spending $30 a day, you know, something like that, $900,000 a month. And Google tells us, well, you really need to be spending $109 a Right, right. We can't do that. It's just not easy. No, and, but, and that's what we're seeing, too. We're seeing this dramatic rise in the click cost based on the fact that we don't get a lot of clicks in our industry, and there's a lot of people bidding for them. And so, you know, we're, we're hovering up in the $10 range, and at a certain point in time you go, is this the best use of that dollar when we don't even know who's clicking on our site? But I love the three-step direct mail campaign. That is such a proven model historically in the world in direct marketing. Three steps and then a follow-up call makes all the difference. I love that. I love that you're doing that. Yeah, it, it, and it works. I've been doing that for years. Um, and I, when I brought on board my salesperson, I introduced him to the idea. And it works for us. Um, you know, you can, you can go on a lot of appointments uh, set up by a telemarketer or someone and you get there, and there's really no interest. Right. And that's what I like about the postcard method is that if you place the call, if they're interested, they're going to they're going to talk with you. Yeah. If they're not, fine. You let it go, and you move on to someone that is interested. Yeah. Instead of banging your head against the wall when you know, when there's no one there that's listening. So, right. uh, yeah, I like the postcard method. And the other thing that we do, and I promote this a lot, um, and I've really tried to train my sales guy to this, networking. I network a lot. Um, I've been networking with some people uh, in this area for 15, 16 years, and they still call me today and say, hey, you need to talk to so-and-so. And I call them up. There's already an introduction. They're expecting my call, and that's what results in a sale. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I do as far as networking is I look at the uh, other services 
that are out there that are uh, serving my clients, and I try to get introductions into those companies so that we can talk and then we can begin to share leads. Yeah. For, for my computer tape business, I have uh, a few uh, computer networking companies. They go in, they maintain networks, they build networks, that type of thing. And they are a tremendous resource for me as far as the tape storage business. Yeah. They're out there talking to people that I want to talk to. So when I get a referral from them, it's usually a good referral. Um, so I, I, I network in a few ways, and that might even be more productive than our postcards as far as getting business. Yeah, I think once you establish those kind of deep, powerful uh, relationships with people who already have established business connections and are out selling to your same audience, uh, that connection to me uh, leverages the power of multiplied salespeople that you're not even paying for, essentially. They're, they're out and doing their thing, but if you're in their head and they know what you're offering, that can be uh, such an amazing source of business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So you fight and, it. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I love that type of thing. Yeah. I like networking. I like doing the postcards. I like to. I like to see success, and I just find those things fascinating. Yeah. Well, it, it's it becomes a game in some ways. It uh, because you're you're constantly going. How can we move this forward? How can we get more people into our funnel? How can we put more people who live on the peripheral of of us but connect with our clients? And that to me, marketing is one of the most exciting and and fun things you can do in your business. I know operations are good and watching the money roll in that's all good, but marketing to me is the place where you get to enjoy yourself and and do interesting stuff. I agree. I really enjoy marketing. Yeah. I, I like the sales call also, yeah. and I like the sales call, especially when it results in a sale. But the marketing is really fun. Yeah. And and I feel like, I could be wrong, I'm, I'm maybe deluding myself, but I feel like I'm good at it. Um, and I really do enjoy it. So I, I love marketing. Well, proof's in the pudding, and it uh, seems like you've proven something. So uh, that's kind of cool. You fight it out in one of the largest, most competitive markets in the world. How do you distinguish yourself from everyone else? What, why, when you're sitting in front of a, a prospect that you've you've talked to, um, and they say, "Well, why should I choose you over anyone else?" What what makes you unique or different? Um, it's a very good question, and I almost hesitate to answer it because I don't want other people to know okay. to know what well, I say. Well then then <laughs> let's I will tell you. I will tell you. Okay. Um I, I really think that it's security. Um when I go in to make a sales call, I quite often will just say right up front, I'm really not here to talk to you about record storage. Yeah. I want to talk to you about uh security. And they that gets their attention. They go, What do you mean? What are you talking about? And then I begin to tell them we don't put our name on our building. We don't put our name on our vehicles. Our drivers wear a very discreet uniform. Um, I talk about security of their documents. And that piques their interest, I think, a lot more than going in there saying, well, you know, we're just as good as the other guy, or we're better, or we've got better service. Yeah. You know, that's very um, nebulous. You know, how do you, with words, how do you really prove that you're better? You know, so I talk about something that we do, that I know the other guys aren't doing, hmm. and I think that gets their interest. So, yeah. So it's it's security is what I really talk about. Really push that. 
so this industry is continuing to evolve as we all know and if we can't you know if we don't stay on top of that that tends to put us in a reactive position so what are you seeing from your unique perspective again in a very competitive intense market how are you seeing the industry evolve from from your desk it's a good question i think um i don't have a complete answer for you i agree with you um electronic records are really changing our industry and i know that my hospital clients and I, I have several hospitals that i serve they are all transitioning to uh, electronic medical records right um these small doctor's offices as well will eventually do that i'm, I'm actually just completing a project for a 31 physician uh, um, medical group that basically we've taken almost 4,000 boxes out of there, and 95% of them have been scanned and imaged, um, and the rest are just coming directly into storage. But hmm. it's all being scanned so it can go into their EMR system. Right. And eventually those boxes will go away, yeah. and they will not generate new paper records. Hopefully, I'll get a piece of business there to store sort of magnetic or perhaps I can do some online backup for them or something. But right. that's the transition that, that our industry is going through. And yeah. that's why I say I don't really have a complete answer for you. I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to shake out. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine that is in Europe, especially in the Netherlands, and he said to me that they're very concerned that paper is going to be going away very soon. Because he said in their country, it's a small country, that we're very much more technology advanced. Right. They scan, or his clients are beginning to scan everything, the banks, the hospitals, the insurance companies. They just aren't storing hard copy records anymore. And they're very concerned about what's happening with the Yeah. So I don't have a complete answer on that. Um, it's, it's evolving, and I don't know what's going to happen, quite honestly. Are, are you seeing it an effect in your vault side of it with, with the online backup world and the, the cloud and, and all the other related stuff, disk-to-disk -disk stuff that's happening now? Are you seeing it impact the vault side of the business? I am, but normally I'm seeing it with the smaller clients. Okay. The, the small clients can easily go to the cloud. The bigger clients, it's more difficult. When I say the bigger clients, you know, I'm talking yeah. the... 10,000, 20, 50,000, 100,000 people clients. Right. Those companies, it's harder for them to go to the cloud. But it, it's happening with the smaller. I was just sort of lamenting that fact the other day here at the office that, you know, some of these small tape clients that we've had for a number of years, they're beginning to close down tape operations. Right. They're going to go to the cloud. And if we're not there to offer them that service, they're going to be with someone. And generally, I, w I would think the, you know, the lure is towards the sort of, you know, the, the big name companies out there, the, the Moseys and those kind that seem really easy, but probably, you know, from your perspective, becoming, you know, being really a security place and promoting it that way, there's much better ways that we in the industry can potentially be in front of our clients about those opportunities as opposed to them going to the, the generic brand name stuff out there. I think so. I think a lot of us in this industry are building relationships with the online backup companies because it's difficult to, or expensive to build that infrastructure yourself. Yeah. So 
we're build we're out there building those relationships so that we can offer that uh, to our clients, even though it's going to a third party. But I'm finding that happening around the country because I talk with a lot of other vault operators, and that's what they're doing. They're building those relationships, but it's how they're going to continue to serve their client base. You said that you became the GM of uh, DocuSafe in 96, correct? That's right, yes. With what you know today, if you could go back to 1996 and give yourself one major piece of advice uh, that you could have said to yourself and said, okay, if you do this, this is going to be incredibly valuable to you, and it probably would have greatly increased the, and not that you haven't been ultra successful, but it could have made you even more, what piece of advice would you give yourself? I think that I um, would advise not to enter into the tape business, the scanning business, the shredding business so slowly. And that's really what I did. Hmm. I, I was really behind the curve, I think. With a, other than tape, I was kind of leading that in a way. But I didn't, uh, I didn't go as big as I could have, as quickly as I could have. And certainly with the shredding and the scanning, I think if I had been able to look into the future, I certainly would have said, wow, let's, let's bump this up a lot faster. And I, and I didn't do that. But we have a very stable, sound business yeah. with all four legs. And, you know, we, we built it very well. We, we have the mega clients, but we also have a real strong base of small clients. I think that's always important to have. So if someone comes to you and they're a complete rookie, but they're wanting to get into this business and they they think that there's huge opportunity because they see someone like you and the business that you have uh, helped to build uh, and they ask you, well, should I do it? What would you tell them? I would tell them, yes, they should do it. But there's a caveat, and that is just what we were speaking about a few minutes ago, what's going to be happening with our industry. Right. It, it is changing. It's evolving. Um, but I would advise them, yes, go ahead, get in, um, be aggressive. You know, it's no longer just record storage, no longer just record storage and tape storage. There's a, a shredding business, scanning business. It all goes together. So there's, there's still a lot of opportunity for growth. What does uh, Marvin Parker do to relax? You're obviously, uh, you know, out there doing some really cool stuff. You're selling. You're you're managing a a, a highly successful uh, business in our industry. Uh, what do you do for downtime? If you get a day to just just crash and burn, what do you do for a day? Well, um, I'm, my wife and I are both voracious readers, so I I read a lot, we, and I say voracious because we have probably fifteen bookcases in our house wow. that are completely filled, and then books are turned sideways. So we both read a lot. Um, but I have a real passion, and that is I bought my first old car when I was 16 years old. I bought a 1941 Mercury Coupe. Today, I own a 1940 Hudson two-door sedan. Um, I'm a member of the uh, Hudson Essex Terraplane Club which those are all marquees of the Hudson Company. Right. Um, and Hudson went out of business in 1957. So the car that I own today is 72 years old. Um, it's an all-original car. It's it's beautiful. I love it. So, so you restore, the, that's a, a hobby, you re actually restore it, or you just love them? 
I love them. I'm, I'm not a mechanic, and I don't really restore. Um, I know how to tinker, yeah. and I certainly know how to go to go to the mechanic and say, you know, this isn't right. What do you think we can do here? Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's but, so uh, cool. You know, I drive my car. Um, I meet up with other people that have similar cars, and, you know, we, we have meat. You know, it's fun. I like it. Yeah, that's great. If you could do lunch with anyone that you greatly admire but never met, or who would you want to do lunch with uh, and mm. spend some time with? That's a tough question. Uh, I'd probably have lunch with you, though. <laughs> Talk about marketing. I'd love to. I would love to. <laughs> no, that'd be great. Uh, Marvin, it's it's been a real pleasure. I am both a fan in terms of watching and having observed and being aware of the incredible success that you've had in the work that you do. And uh, like I said, I, I, I always appreciate the sort of thoughtful approach that you take with things. And so thank you for sharing that with us today. And thank you for sharing it uh, with our, our community. I, I think many of the things you've said today are, are incredibly valuable and helpful to people. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Tom. I, I appreciate uh, your offer to talk with you today. And I agree. I hope that uh, people in the industry when they listen to this, that uh, they do find something that will pique their interest or you know, make them scratch their head and say, gee, maybe we should try that. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So I agree with you. But yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. I am grateful. Thanks to Marvin Parker. Lots of great stuff he's just shared with us. It's great to have people like Marvin on the show. Uh, I love what he shared. I love that he shared it freely. And that's what's always been so amazing about this industry is, yes, we're tiny. There's not many of us in the world. Uh, but what's so cool is the willingness to share our stories and what's working. And I am especially appreciative to Marvin today for taking the time to do that with us. If you have a cool story, if you're doing interesting stuff, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, this show has been sponsored by our friends at O'Neill Software. What continues to impress me about this company is not just the dedication to produce a great software product, to also deal with incredibly good customer support and service, but the focus they have on ongoing and new development. Research and development is something that Ian and the team are constantly striving towards. Not just for where you are today and not just making sure the product works today, but where you're going to need to be years down the road when the whole world has changed and the way we do computing is different. And that's important because, as I said right off the top of the show, that software is really the core thing that drives your business that makes it work on a daily basis and so if you want to learn more about O'Neillsoft and how they can help you with all of those wonderful things you can check them out at O'Neillsoft.com well that's it for today we are out of here thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams if you enjoyed the show please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.